Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I write an automotive column for Bay Area News Group, which is the San Jose Mercury and the East Bay Times in Walnut Creek. I also edit and publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. It's been online since 2004. And uh, for about the last five and a half years now, my colleague and close friend Bruce Aldrich and I have um, interviewed guests on our podcast, the Weekly Driver Podcast. Bruce is away this week uh, on assignment, or maybe he's vacationing in his RV. Uh, But anyway, he's not here today. Uh, But we do have a a guest on today for the third time, uh, Jenny Newman. Uh, Jenny is the editor-in-chief of Cars.com, one of the preeminent uh, car sites, uh, all all things automobile pretty much. And uh, Jenny's on uh, this week to talk about the importance and um, the industry interest and the consumer interest in cars that are made, uh, are American-made cars. And that list has been around for quite a while. And so, Jenny, welcome back to our podcast. Thanks for being on for the third time. We talked uh, episode number 200 about children's car seats and the safety and lack of safety sometimes on episode number 200, 224, we talked about the New York Auto Show. So thanks today for, for being available. Oh, I'm so happy to be with you today. Thanks for having me. You bet. Jenny, could you start off with, and please tell me, um, when the um, the necessary, when it became necessary and, and why it became necessary to have a list that designates vehicles, cars, uh, as almost all American-made or somewhat American-made and mm. so on and so forth. What What is the genesis of that? And part B of that is why is it important? The genesis, uh, the Cars.com's American-Made Index, uh, this is our 18th year yes. of publishing this information. And so it has been around for a while. And the genesis of it was to highlight for uh, car shoppers um, that the badge on your hood, right? Yes. <laughs> May not actually tell you how American a vehicle is. So there's a lot of assumptions out there and they continue today that, um, a, a vehicle made by Ford, by, uh, one of the GM brands, you know, uh, by Chrysler or Dodge, some of those Stellantis brands, that they're American. But the truth of the matter is, is that, uh, the automotive industry, it is a global industry. And so some of those American nameplates may actually be manufactured in Canada, in Mexico, or all the way on the other side of the world. So our our index is, is here to help car shoppers discern which vehicles are American. And this year we have 100 vehicles on the list. So it's a robust list. Yeah, it is. Um, I remember as a boy, uh, I'm 68, and I remember as a boy, that uh, my father and my father's friends were very interested in American-made cars. And there were some non-American-made cars back, I'm just saying, the 50s to start with. But mm-hmm. it, was, it was very important then. And I don't want to know, I don't want to lean over too far into the patriotic area. But just from a business standpoint, I think it was very important. And do you think... Uh, that it's important, it is as important today as it was when you guys started 18 years ago, or maybe it's even more important? I think we could argue it, it might be even more important. 
You know, we know that uh, the auto, auto industry is an important uh, part of the economy, and its economic impact is probably broader than most people realize. We have uh, been doing a little looking into it, and over 5.3 million jobs are created by the automotive industry. Now, that, of course, is not just those assembly plants where these cars are being built, but it's also adjacent um, parts of that whole broader ecosphere. So the dealerships, right? The independent um, auto mechanics, the gas stations. Um, You know, we haven't even really started pulling in the... uh, the public EV charging infrastructure and the jobs that those provide is that whole segment really starts to take off. So there's just, this is a huge part of the economy. These cars really do impact uh, the U.S. at a national level, but, you know, also more importantly at a local level. So this is helping, you know, some smaller towns um, and some bigger cities, of course, with having these assembly plants there and providing important jobs for uh, the American people. Gotcha. I'm looking at uh, the announcement, the press release that came out a while back, and um, your Mm -hmm. standards, car.com standards, I'm just going to read it. Uh, It's a mixture of five ingredients, the country of origin for available transmissions and engines, U.S. manufacturing workforce, final assembly location, and percentage of U.S. and Canadian parts. Uh, that reminds me of the Moroni stickers that you guys are familiar with, of course, and, and I am as a, a reviewer. Um, I kind of obsessively look at that, and, and it's interesting to me that you might get a vehicle. Maybe everybody else knows this. It was I was unfamiliar with it, you know, a few years back, that it might have four or five locations of different parts of the vehicle. And how that's all mm-hmm. coordinated is, I think, beyond me, but... Uh, I'm sure that's of interest to you guys, too, that you might have four or five different countries listed on on a Moroni sticker. Yes, and, you know, part of that part of that information on that sticker is talking about the part, you know, content of the vehicle. Um, you know, we dig into that number, but that reporting or the, the way that the government um, gathers that information from the automakers, it, it is looking at not only American parts content, but also Canadian parts content. Yes. And that's why we have to go a little bit deeper yes. <laughs> in our, in our discovery or in our, in our investigation to get um, country of origin for both the engine and the transmission. These are major components to these vehicles. Right. And so yes. we're, we're taking that and we're help that helps us with our formula as we are figuring out just how American something is, right? It's a, that Monroney information is a good start, but we've got to go a couple levels deeper than that. Sure. So, uh, you know, I'll tell you it's, it's, it's months of work to get to this, this final list, but you know, it's worthwhile, I think, because it, it is hard for shoppers to easily get that info. Gotcha. Yeah, you're right. Um, of course, uh, I have to, dig in uh, to Mr. Musk, and uh, he's a very, as you know, probably better than I do, he's a very polarizing individual, and I think he would agree, and most everybody agrees, that he changed the automotive industry, and lo and behold, the top four vehicles on your list is are, are the Tesla Model Y, Tesla Model 3, Tesla Model X, and Tesla Model S. Um, that, that's, you know, four out of the top ten, uh, comment on that if you mm-hmm. could. What 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 do you make of that, and um, what do you think it means to the consumer, the consumer public at large? It's 
really interesting. This is the first year that Tesla has run, has, you know, had the one through four positions on this index. Yes. Um, so that was brand new this year. Last year, they did have the top two spots, but one through four, that's a new thing for 2023. I think what's interesting about Tesla, of course, is they are, uh, of course, a newer automaker. Right. And they are able to, um, they put into place, um, you know, some uh, production plans that work well for them and they, they really kind of keep things regional or even local. So those, those vehicles that are produced at their California and Tesla plants, right, they're doing sourcing from uh, as close by as they can and, you know, in the U.S. And I, that really helps them, of course, with their placement on the index this year. You know, it's also important to remember they, they only have four vehicles in their lineup. They don't have the legacy, the history that, uh, you know, an automaker like um, GM does, like Ford does, right? Those are, uh, their approach is, of course, different because they've got years and years and years of, of building these vehicles across the globe. So they have a slightly different approach. And you see that reflected in the index. I think I'm looking at it right now on cars.com slash AMI. Yes. And, you know, the first... Um, the first Ford product I see is the Lincoln Corsair. Of course, they're Ford's luxury brand yes. at number 16. And looking real quick again, the first GM product that I see is at number 19, the Chevy Corvette. Yes. So, you know, it's, it, it, it's a slightly different approach for these automakers, and that gets reflected in this list. Sure. I think some people have made comment that it's surprising uh, that – Number five and number seven are Hondas, Honda Passport and Honda Odyssey. <laughs> number six is Volkswagen, Honda being uh, previously considered a, a, a Japanese vehicle. Honda is a German vehicle. Acura, we know, is the upscale of um, Honda, I believe. No, of uh, Toyota. And uh, then there's Honda Ridgeline, number nine, and another Acura at number 10, the Acura RDX. So let's cover uh, Honda. Um I don't have sure. the pre I don't have the previous list in front of me. Is this a common place for these two vehicles on the list, or are they new as well? So, uh, Honda. First of all, um, Acura is Honda's luxury brand, yes. so they actually have together they have five vehicles in the top ten. There you go. Now Honda you. has been sort of yeah, of course. Mm. <laughs> it's tough to keep it all straight sometimes. Yes. You know, Honda and, and the luxury brand Acura have been sitting um, pretty well established in our top 10 the last few years. So that's really interesting to see. Of course, they are a Japanese-based automaker, but what they have done, their approach is to have to build these vehicles like the Passport, the Ridgeline, the Odyssey, right, to build them here in the U.S. They've got several plants, um, of course, in the U.S. They've uh I believe Alabama and Ohio, and um, and so you know the U.S. economy is benefiting from that. The U.S. consumer is benefiting from that. Now the Volkswagen ID. Four, which is Volkswagen's EV, yes, and this is the first year that it is on our American-made index. Now it's a relatively new EV, so probably not a huge surprise to some of your listeners. But what is interesting is last year it wasn't able to make our American-made index, in part because it was built in Germany, right? Yes. So in the in the time between when we did the 2022 index and the 2023 index, 
uh, Volkswagen moved the production of the ID4 to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and that skyrocketed it onto this index, and it came in at number six. And so when that happens, of course, you see the waves, um, you know, as cars are shuffling around every year as automakers uh, use them in their sourcing, um, make changes in where they're assembling vehicles, things like that, that, you know, it really does shift every year, and the ID4 is a great example of that. Yes. The uh, I think maybe we're seeing some relief in the supply chain issues, uh, and maybe you can update us on that. How how is your list affected if it is uh, by somebody ordering a car and not getting it for a year and a half, and are they then maybe not mm-hmm. getting it with a part that used to be from the U.S. and now they've gone to another? I know. Um, um, Seat bags it's, have been a problematic for a while, and I don't know what the supply is of those. But is there any connection with your list and the supply chain or and in the inability to get certain cars and certain parts? Well, I think that you're right that um, anecdotally we are seeing a, a little bit of relief when it comes to car uh, inventory. So yes. that is good news for shoppers in general. Yes. And when it comes to, of course, the American-made index, we actually don't use, um, you know, we're not looking at sales as yes. part of this formula. So yes. that actually helps. I think that helps the shopper more by not using sales as sort of part of the, you know, final equation. It's not a popularity contest, right? Yes. That doesn't yes. fix, that doesn't really figure into it. And it's really just about like, where is this car made? What is it doing to the economy? So that's where the focus is. I will say though, that we do have, Um, a minimum sales threshold that we use to basically, you know, sort of our first qualification for vehicles to make this list. And that's really to keep some of those, um, you know, uh, more exotic (laughs) vehicles off the list. They only make 10 a year or something like that. So we want, we really wanted to focus on mass produced cars that can, that shoppers can find easily, and that's that's the only way in which we use the sales numbers. Yeah, I didn't go through the entire list, but my hunch is that uh, Pagani's not on the list. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> okay. Correct. And you know, I can tell you who. <laughs> actually, um, the two two names that your your listeners might know, for yeah. instance, Lucid is not on the list this year. Yes. And uh, Rivian is not on the list now. Lucid, it was more of a sales number. They just don't quite have the sales uh, to that we're looking for. Yes. To to make it onto this list and begin the. Um, or at least be part of the consideration set that we're then running all of this data for. Yes. Uh, with Rivian, we also use uh, gross vehicle weight ratings um, to make sure that we're focused on light-duty passenger vehicles. And the Rivian is just slightly over that number, so it, it's also not on the list this year. So, you know, and it's, it's these things can change. Year to year, these, these the numbers we're using, right, um, sales, of course, can go up. <laughs> they can also go down. So, you know, this list really does shift from year to year. Sure. Um, but as a, as a quick aside, have you driven a Lucid yet? I, I had the experience, you know, a short while I, ago, and it's, it's I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, I actually did. Yes, I got to drive it as part of uh, World Car Jury. I'm a World Car Jury member. Oh, wow. And I was able to drive it in um, the hills of California. And holy cow, that car is amazing. Yeah. Beautiful and so much fun to drive. I, I, 
Thank you. I agree. I, um, friends who uh, came in the car with me uh, um, and other auto reviewers, I know we've all, everybody said the same thing. I haven't really heard much of a disparaging comment on, on the Lucid <laughs> at all. So um, what do you think, Jenny, of the, we, I'm looking at the, the paragraph on the release that uh, mentions, uh, as you did, the um, Chevy Corvette and Lincoln Corsair, and then in number 20, the 21st spot, the Dodge Durango. Do you think that the big three um, care th about this? Is it, you think it's? I'm not making a statement about your list per se, but do you think that mm -hmm. it's relevant to them? I I think that they want to appeal to car shoppers, right? And yes. So I think, of course, this is relevant to them, absolutely. And if if it weren't, they wouldn't they wouldn't work with us to yes. get all the information that we need to you know, clarify with them. Yes. So they, they absolutely are willing participants. And, you know, I'm, I'm so happy to see them um, <laughs> respond to these emails and emails and queries that we send, because it really does take quite a lot of back and forth um, working through some inconsistencies we may see in numbers or just trying to clarify something. So I do think it matters to them. Right. Yes. Um, I also think though, so, you know, automakers, well, for instance, automakers just have to think through um, where where it makes the most sense for them to build a vehicle. For instance, you know, the F-150, um, all versions of the F-150 are on this list. Uh, for instance, Ford, the Lightning, which everybody's been excited about, yes. hits at number 38, you know. But the gas-powered uh, version of the F-150 falls quite further down the list at 66. Yes. So... Um, you know, it's, it's definitely a consideration, but I want to say, I want to be really clear about this with this list and the hundred cars on it, mm -hmm. making the list is a really big deal. So even if you're falling at 66 or if you're falling all the way at, you know, the bottom of the list, but you made the list at number 100 and that's the Nissan Rogue, making the list is means that you are absolutely impacting the American economy and that it should be a badge of honor for all of these um, automakers and their vehicles. You know, we looked at 388 um, vehicles together, all together for yes. the model year. So there's 288 vehicles that don't make this list at all, you that know? Is, so that, it's really it's really an important notation that getting on the list is absolutely an honor and, and it absolutely impacts the U.S. economy. Um, and by chance, if you have heard it, could you share anything from a company, uh, a manufacturer who thought they should be on the list? Did they uh, provide you with any comments or is that private or maybe not so much? <laughs> you know, this year um, is the first. I think what I could say about that is I think that this list going forward will continue to change, partly because of the shifts that we're seeing in automakers um, looking to build their EVs here in yeah. the U.S. Yes. Now, part of that is because of the Inflation Reduction Act that was passed last year that incentivizes, of course, building EVs in the U.S. And we're already starting to see that. So I think that we'll continue to see a lot of shifts in this list as, as the years continue. And we will see, um, and we'll probably start to see a lot more EVs on this list. Uh, you know, right now it's only 8% of the list are EVs, but I'm sure that number is going to be going up significantly. Mm -hmm. Since you mentioned early on that you guys have been doing this list uh, for 18 years, uh, 
forgive me for not remembering, have you been involved in all of these lists as the uh, editor-in-chief or in some other capacity? And if you haven't been in for as long as you've been involved, was there anything that surprised you uh, about the list this year? So I have had the pleasure of working at Cars.com for 15 years. Yes. And in those 15 years, I have I have been slowly working my way up the ladder uh, the last five as editor-in-chief. I'm the lucky person who gets to lead our editorial department and our amazing team of automotive reviewers and automotive journalists. So yes. Um, it's been a wild ride. A lot of it, actually, I feel like every year I have had some hand in our American made index, um, whether that was, you know, being the person who was behind the scenes looking at the data to today where I, you know, get to speak about this work that we put together. So it's pretty, yes. <laughs> it's pretty incredible, um, to be a part of it for so long. I have to say it's, it's really fortunate. Gotcha. Anything surprising this time around? Gosh, you know, great question. Um, I think what's always surprising to the feedback I get on this list is people are just always surprised at how many foreign automakers are on the list, right? Yes. We talked about Honda and Acura. Yes. We talked about Volkswagen, but Nissan, Toyota, BMW, Hyundai, Subaru, right? Yes. Uh, Mercedes-Benz. So, so many automakers that have that are that are foreign automakers are are part of this list and impacting the US economy. And it's it really is, you know, sort of the ultimate why we put this together and do all this work because we know that this is important to shoppers. Um, you know, we had a uh, a cars.com survey that we we did with in market shoppers on cars.com and 70% of those car shoppers said they want to buy an American-made car. And 48% of those shoppers said that they are willing to pay up to 30% more for a vehicle if it creates U.S. jobs. I'll be so that, that's pretty stunning. Yes, it is. <laughs> hey, you bet it is. Um, I, I had no idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming uh, that there would be that some of that might occur, but the number, you, the percentage is, is surprisingly high. Um, it is surprisingly high. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know, um, I was really stunned by that as well. I, I think that that is showing consumer sen sentiment, right? Now, what happens when it comes time to, you know, make that payment and write that check? That's, that might have, they might be thinking that through a little bit more, but there's certainly um, an interest in, in vehicles that are making, uh, creating more jobs for for their neighbors and friends and and so I think that there's definitely an interest there and to kind of circle back to that question you were asking about automakers working with us you know this list this index showcases those automakers who are putting in the the time to support the US economy so there's definitely an interest from them in in participating in this list thank you um uh t changing topics a little bit um, could you explain to the listening audience and to me um, when um, Stellantis kind of first came in vogue and what vehicles are under that umbrella and why that why that all occurred um, since since it's on mentioned in the in the report fill, fill me in and fill the listeners sure. in on on that on that um, change of names and so forth. Yeah, so Stellantis is a, a you know a, a conglomerate or a group of, of different auto auto brands that that I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know. 
such as Dodge and Chrysler, yes. Jeep, um, Ram, right? Yes. And then there's also Maserati and Fiat uh, and Alfa, Alfa Romeo. So this is this is quite a few nameplates. I, it's it's much bigger than people realize. But um, coming out of and James, correct me if I'm wrong here because I'm going off of memory. Sure. But coming out of the uh, recession of 08, 09, um, you know, Fiat came in and uh, I believe purchased or partnered with Chrysler Automotive, basically creating Fiat Chrysler Automotive. From there, uh, this has continued to evolve and it's pulled in um, some of Fiat's brands, you know, which are Maserati and Alpha. And so it's actually mm-hmm. Chrysler, which, you know, I think a lot of people assume that it is still a based in Detroit, and it certainly does still have a, a, a big presence in Detroit. Um, but now this brand, you know, is really actually based over in Europe. Yes. <laughs> and it has uh, quite a few nameplates that are um, probably better known uh, on the other side of the world, but hopefully starting to make some inroads here with Alpha. Alpha Romeo is really pushing into the U.S. market this year with uh, breaking out their Tonale, which is a sort of a subcompact, really sleek SUV. Um, Maserati is coming in with some really stunning luxury cars that are going to turn a lot of people's heads when they see them on the road. And then, of course, Fiat, you know, who who can forget um, those adorable little cars that are great for city life? So, <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, there's there's <laughs> I think they're fun. I, I live in I live in uh, the city here myself. So, you know, parking is always an issue and I got to appreciate a small car whenever I'm test driving one. <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> so. true, isn't it? That's it's something to be said for those little little cars like that. And the, of course, the um Miata is a, a little bit bigger than than the Fiat, but not by much. Uh, they're, they're always, it's always fun to be in one. Um, what else yeah. uh, that I'm maybe I can't see right away? What what other areas of this list uh, are important for the consumer to know that maybe we haven't covered? And um, with that in mind, uh, do you think uh, this is a double parted question? But the the cars the things that I might not be aware of that, that this list uh, has interest from the consumers or for the consumers and do you think that list uh, with these new regulations that are on the horizon will uh, in four or five years be drastically different? Mm, great question. Uh, as for what's interesting on this list, you know we know that pickup trucks are really popular with yes. shoppers, right? I think it's the top selling segment. Um, and I, you know, people assume, of course, I don't mean to be picking on Ford. I'm certainly not. They absolutely have a presence and an impact on the U.S. economy in so many different ways. Yes. But I think there's always an assumption that the F-150 is this, um, absolutely at the top of the list type of vehicle. But, but, um, you know, as far as pickup trucks go, the Honda Ridgeline is coming in number nine. Now that's a mid-sized pickup truck. And for full size, it at number 12 is the Toyota Tundra pickup. Yes. So it, it's just interesting to take a look at these, uh, to take a look at this list, take a look at these vehicles and, and see what your assumptions are and, and, you know, what reality is by looking at this index and then looking to the future, you know, it, Every year, we, we, we get together as a team and we take a look at what's going on around us as far as uh, new laws that have been passed, new regulations that are coming down, and think about, you know, um, 
what changes we need to make to our American Made Index formula, you know, how, how, how we need to think that through. Now, we changed or updated our formula in 2020 um, to, you know, sort of pull in more data that looked at the economy impact, the economic impact, but we haven't made any updates yet to that. We're three years into it. With all of these automakers bringing in their EVs, that could be an area where, uh, or their EV manufacturing, that could be an area where we make some tweaks. It's hard to say, but we definitely, it's something that we do look at and review, um, you know, honestly, at least twice a year we have conversations about it because this is, um, we know how important this is to shoppers and we want to make sure that we're reflecting what's going on in the auto market at the moment. So gotcha. we've got our work cut out for us sure. in the future. Um, I, I should have mentioned it earlier, but I wanted to repeat that we're speaking with uh, Jenny Newman, who was the editor-in-chief of Cars.com, and Cars.com also has other sites, and the list is pretty long. Could you take me through the, what, what's under the, under the umbrella of, of Cars.com for, for people to check out as well? Well, you know, we've been um, kind of incorporating all of our sites and their capabilities into cars.com. Yes. We do have dealerator.com, which is also incorporated into our site, which allows you to, um, you know, when you're looking at a dealership to work with, it will give you ratings and consumer feedback on dealers, yes. uh, dealerships, and then also salespeople. So that really helps you as a car shopper, perhaps find the right person that's going to work with you well in this purchase. Sure. Um, you know, some other exciting features that we have, of course, are um, we have basically we have got a, a, a lot of inventory, which is exciting to see after given how how much uh, stress was put on the automotive market during the pandemic. Yes. We have, um, you know, we have other tools for dealers that help them to, you know, present their car in, in a way that really is going to reach the shopper. So we're really about making those connections between the shoppers and the dealers and, and helping shoppers get the information that they need from, from my team to make an informed decision. You know, we want you when you're working with that dealer to feel confident in the car that you are looking forward to purchasing. And, you know, that's really where my team comes in is, is helping with that part of the process is, is informing, informing shoppers. Sure. I noticed at the bottom of cars.com, you have a bunch of other URLs. So th those are what I was getting at. And I didn't do it all that well as, those those URLs, I think pickuptrucks.com may be one, and memories, those are all under the – those can all be also accessed via cars.com. Is that right? Or Yes, you yeah. can find um, our truck content. We've got uh, pickup truck content under our cars.com slash trucks uh, part of our site. Um, you know, we've got, it, like I said, we've got dealer ratings, sure. we've got all sorts of things. There's so much going on over at our site. Yeah. It's, an, it's an exciting time to be an automotive and an exciting time to be at cars.com. Sure. I'll reiterate that. If you go to cars.com, uh, it's an all encompassing site. The reviews are written by experts and they're not written by experts who, uh, at least for me, they, don't, they, uh, they're very straightforward. They're, they're practical they have expertise, so it's a it's a hard thing for me to sometimes look at a car review that's you know talking about uh, the nuances of transmodern engines, and it, it even as a car person, it kind of goes over my head a little bit. And I appreciate Cars.com mm -hmm. with its its practical 
straightforward, uh, no nonsense um, look at at new vehicles. So that's a real. That's why I go to it because it's you know you can you can read them in a in a nice comprehensive um, succinct way. So props to the props yeah. to the reviewers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I think that's so important. We want we want people. You know, we know that people are holding on to their vehicles for longer and longer. Right? I think it's eleven years, twelve years now. These yes. vehicles are are lasting so much longer than they used to. They're they're so fantastic from a technology standpoint. So their their life is just a lot longer. That means though that you're not getting back into the market for quite a long time, and there's a lot of catch up you need to do, especially on the technology front. So we want to make sure that shoppers understand what we're talking about. We want to break it down in a way that's meaningful to them. Yes. And I mean, I really appreciate your compliment. That's really kind of you because that's exactly what we're trying to do. Sure. Well, uh, Jenny, thanks uh, for uh, the third time on our podcast. And uh, again, thanks to Jenny Newman, editor-in-chief of cars.com. Don't forget to visit the site and don't forget to visit my site, theweeklydriver.com. And uh, Jenny, thanks a bunch as always. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, take care now.